0: probably the most well-known guest speaker we've ever had here at Risen King. Um, If you've never heard his stuff or think you haven't heard his stuff, you actually have because our very own Dr. Michael Plunkett has been greatly influenced, as Mike has has attested to, by Dr. Neil Anderson's uh, ministry over the years. So we've kind of gotten some of his stuff, even if you didn't know it. Um, And by the way, I do want to say it's great to see Pastor Mike here this morning. And amen. Amen. And he'll be uh, he'll be back with us next Sunday. He'll be preaching at all three services, so we can't wait to have him back. It's been it's been great uh, having guest speakers here, but how many people are thankful to have him back next week? Amen. So I'm going to read a a not very comprehensive resume of Dr. Neil Anderson. So he is the founder and president emeritus of Freedom in Christ Ministries. He's a best-selling author or co-author of more than 60 books, many of which you can get out there today, including The Bondage Breaker, which has sold more than 1.3 million copies. He travels extensively to equip the church to establish people alive and free in Christ. You know, I mentioned his books. This is one of them. It's called Liberating Prayer, Finding Freedom by Connecting with God. It's an incredible uh, volume. And, um, Uh, there's another doctor, Dr. Wayne Grudem. Uh, Some of you may have heard of him before. He's a very well-known theologian and Bible professor. He had this to say about this book. He says, I found the eighth chapter especially significant. After living more than 50 years as a Christian, and after teaching more than 25 years as a professor of Bible and theology, I took about two hours to work carefully through Neil's seven steps to freedom in Christ and apply each step to my own life, reading each suggested prayer aloud. God used that process to bring to mind a number of thoughts and attitudes that he wanted to correct and then to impart to me a wonderfully refreshing sense of freedom, peace, joy and fellowship With himself. Without any further ado, let's welcome up Dr. Neil Anderson this morning.
1: That's yours. (laughs) How fortunate you are to have a minister of worship who spent so much time on his knees that he wore a hole in his pants. either that or a fashion statement. I'm not sure. <clears throat> or Pastor Mike isn't paying his staff enough to get... To <laughs> that was the plug he asked me to give. In. <laughs> oh, boy. Travels extensively. <clears throat> Actually, I haven't been traveling much the last few years because my wife has been struggling with agitated dementia. And, uh, and I had been taking care of her. And uh, let me just say, before we start this morning, I said, when I first began my Christian journey, heading towards full-time ministry, nothing was more frustrating to me than prayer. I knew it was important. I believed it was important. I remember reading a book by Ian e. Bounds, Power Through Prayer. And uh, they would pray for two hours and four hours and all night. And I said, three minutes was an ordeal for me. I mean, I would go to pray and I would be bombarded by all kinds of thoughts and temptations and I thought I was trying to fight off the devil and why in the world is this so hard? And uh, uh, then I would go to church and, to be honest with you, a lot of ways it didn't get much easier there either. You ever get in the little prayer circle at church and one person prays, if the next person beside him prays next, you've established a precedent, you're going to go around that circle. And if you're number six... You're not agreeing with number five because you're trying to figure out what you're going to say when it's your turn. <laughs> and if number five doesn't pray when it's his turn, how long do you wait for him? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to offend him and skip him or her. And, uh, and then at that time, we had a man in our church. It was a large Baptist church. And, and uh, he would do the pastoral prayer, drone on for about eight minutes and, and switch to King James English. <laughs> Remember those old days? And uh, kids would time him. well, oh, new record this morning, eight minutes. And... Uh, Never learned that long prayers were for the closet and short prayers were for public. But, uh, and even at home, my wife and I would, would have our little prayer time together and, and uh, well, let's pray about this, let's pray about this, let's pray about this, and let's pray about this. And, and the, well, let's stop now and pray. Went through exactly the same list all over again. I thought, where was God when we were first talking about this? Stay out of this, God. We'll get back to you in a moment. You know, kind of a concept, I guess. But anybody heard of uh, a man by the name of A.B. Simpson? he wrote a little book called the power of stillness in the book he wrote a score of years ago a friend placed in my hand a little book which became one of the turning points of my life it was called true peace it was an old medieval message and in it it had but one thought and it was this that god was waiting in the depth of my being to talk to me if i would only get still enough to hear his voice I thought this would be a very easy matter, so I began to get still. But I had no sooner commenced than a perfect pandemonium of voices reached my ears. A thousand clamoring notes from without and within until I could hear nothing but their noise and din. Some of them were my own voice. Some of them were my own questions. Some of them were my own cares. Some of them were my very prayers. Others were the suggestions of the tempter and the voices from the world's turmoil Never before did there seem so many things to be done, to be said, to be thought, and in every direction I was pushed and pulled and greeted with noisy acclamations and unspeakable unrest. It seemed necessary for me to listen to some of them, to answer some of them, but God said, be still and know that I am God. Well, that about summed up my prayer life right there. And, uh, but that all changed one night, one night. I had... Uh, I was transitioning from seminary to my first uh, position in a church. It was a halftime position initially while I finished seminary. It was uh, a college pastor in a large Baptist church, and I had just read a book, at least half of it, uh, by R. A. Torrey called Praying by the Spirit, and I thought, hmm, that's pretty good stuff. I think I will teach a chapter a week this summer, and it's kind of a short book, and uh, that's what you do when you're first going into ministry. You preach dead people's notes. <laughs> it takes a while for you to incarnate it and make it your message. But anyway, things are going on. A very busy summer, and but I hadn't read the last chapter till Saturday night. Not good preparation. And the last chapter's title was Praying by the Spirit. My wife had gone to bed, and I sat there, I read the chapter, didn't get it. No reflection on him at the time. I just didn't get it. And... uh Now, these are great moments with God, folks. You're sitting there absolutely bankrupt. Today, it'd be easier. You just reach over and pick out a video that you've been saving for that special moment. But there were no 16-millimeter reels at that time. So uh, I'm I'm kind of stuck here. And I said, I need a little help here, God. Well, to be honest with you, I got it that night. Now, just the way God has of leading you, of bringing back to your mind memories and verses that you've known and whatever else. But I started to think, well, if you want to pray by the Spirit, you should be filled with the Spirit. So I went to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't try to follow, because I'm going to flip pages here pretty fast for a moment. So Ephesians 5, 18, very familiar passage, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all of your heart, giving thanks always, and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now what happened to me that night. And will happen to you as well. For some reason, I just fixated on verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything. Now, that'll happen all your life, folks. You read a passage one year, five years later, read the same passage, you'll see something you didn't see five years ago. It's just part of the growth process. And I believe it would go on all your life. We'll never reach the depth of of Scripture. It, it, It just keeps going layer after layer after layer. And that's true about our relationship with God as well. Well, at that time, I was kind of fascinated by the fact that the sister epistle had the same results but a different cause. And so I turned over to Colossians chapter 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So here's the point. You know, if you want to sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord, you need to be filled with the Spirit, but you also need to let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. It's not either or, it's a both-and issue. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but if you have no knowledge of God's Word, I mean, you can kind of drift. And, and uh, But you can also be dead orthodox as well and have no spirit behind it. And So I think that combination is important for all of us. But in these three verses in Colossians, they all end with, and be thankful, with thankfulness, giving thanks. And then I turned over to chapter 4, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for that's the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. Now listen to this. I, I just was so curious by this that I turned back and just kind of looked at Paul's example. He begins most of his epistles with a little prayer, and this is what I read. Ephesians one sixteen. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Uh, next epistle, Philippians one three. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you. Next epistle, 1 uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Next epistle, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mention you in our prayers. Now, to me, that was like a maha, kind of an experience. I've never really seen this before, but prayer and an attitude of gratitude were kind of like two sides of the same coin. It, it seems like Paul... When prayer was mentioned, thankfulness was always with it, an attitude of gratitude. Then God brought to my mind my favorite psalm. You know, are you supposed to have favorite psalms? I guess. Well, anyway, uh, this was my favorite at that time. I like them all, by the way, but this one stuck out to me, came back to my mind. And if you got your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Psalm 95. If you don't have your Bible, you went to the wrong church. And... Uh, Psalm 95, or your smartphone. <laughs> what an age we live in today. <laughs> I bought a smartphone, so one of us would be. And um, <laughs> Psalm 95, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord, and let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let's make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise did a good job this morning, folks, with that. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and the hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice. I said, dear God, I'd love to hear your voice. My prayer life at that time was like that old country song. Hello, wall. (laughs) It was a one-way deal. I was talking, but hearing nothing coming back. And frankly, I wasn't seeing any answers to prayer either, for that matter. Today, if you'd hear, here is the Hebrew word, uh, "here" as though to obey. Look at the next verse. Do not harden your hearts. Why would that follow? Today, if you'd hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Here's what I thought that night and think to this day for that matter. You almost have to ask the question, why would prayer be hard? My body is the temple of God. I have the mind of Christ. I have two members of the Trinity right now praying on our behalf. The Lord always liveth and maketh intercession. And uh, in Romans chapter 8 it says, we don't know how or what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit does. He helps us in our weakness. He intercedes with us. too deep to understand. The word helps there is a fascinating word, by the way. It's two prepositions before the word take. The idea is the Holy Spirit comes alongside, bears you up, and takes you across to the other side. Any prayer that God the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray is a prayer that God the Father is always going to answer because it originated from him. And uh, so, again, I was asking myself the question, what is going on in my mind? Why is this so hard when I have seemingly... Everything going for me. And I said, Okay, I'm going to try something, God. I'm just going to sit here. Forget my little list. I'm going to sit here, and whatever comes into my mind, I'm going to deal with that. You're either allowing it for some reason, uh, or it's from you, or whatever. And uh, in one sense, this could be a little dangerous thing to do. I said, uh, Don't do this passively. You could end up paying attention to a deceiving spirit. But I just sat there and said, God, what do you want to talk about? I spent an hour in prayer for the first time in my life. And I also found out, it's a very intriguing thing to me, all those thoughts that I was trying to push away, in one sense I was hearing from God. Not what I wanted to hear, (laughs) but I was hearing from God. A lot of those were issues that God wanted to deal with in my own life, and I was just pushing them off and pushing them off and pushing them off. Think of it this way. You're a parent. And you have a child, and there's a lot of issues between you and your child that just aren't resolved. I mean, things aren't right as a father child kind of relationship. But that child is always coming to you and saying, Can I have this? Can I have that? Can I go here? Can I go there? Just petition you, petition you, petition you. What's on your mind, Mom and Dad? What do you want to talk about? He's our father, we're his children. I think I can say this with some degree of authority. If you allow God to prioritize your prayer list and there's something in your life that you've never yet dealt with, that'll be at the top of the list. Don't see this as a condemning thing. You're already forgiven. God already knows the thoughts and intentions of your heart. He wants you and I to have an intimate relationship with him. That's it. Now, in hindsight over the years, that night was in some ways of thinking, almost the beginning of Freedom in Christ Ministries. Um, It was so born into my mind at that time, I said, I wonder how this would apply everywhere. And and the whole concept of praying without ceasing began to take a different meaning for me, because when you get off your knees or off your chairs or whatever else, God isn't suddenly left or whatever else, and uh, and, uh, it it was such a life-changing thing. Have you ever noticed something, by the way? That if you're in a room or by somebody who's a stranger, you don't know how awkward silence is. It's awkward, isn't it? You feel obligated to say something. Really snowed last week, didn't it? It's going to be nice and warm today, however. Nick's lost last night. So you talk about sports and weather, that kind of thing, (laughs) because it's just awkward. You know one of the best ways you can determine your spiritual condition is to get totally alone and see how well you tolerate solitude. Can you be totally alone and be quiet? Is your mind quiet? You know what's interesting? It's it's really so much a part of our our growth in in our own life. And uh, right now, My wife occupies about seven hours of my day. I see her three times a day. Uh, She just wants me there. She doesn't want to talk. Very little conversation. She just wants me there, just to be present. And I've learned a peaceful sense of God's presence in the process of that. I'm saying, oh, man, I wonder what that would have been like you know, 40 years ago, so all <laughs> my life, and um, uh, and, and the, the beauty of that to me is, is that it, it in so many ways defined our relationship. Joanne and I could ride in a car for two hours to go someplace. I didn't feel obligated to say anything. We were comfortable in each other's presence. And um, I was given probably the most discerning wife a man could have. I can't tell you what a blessing that's been to me in terms of my ministry. I mean, if I preached a message in the flesh, and I have, and anybody can, it would be silence on the way home. And I would say, that bad, huh? And she'd say, oh, honey, I love you. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And uh, I think there's three levels to prayer. By definition, it's going to start off with petitioning. And please don't misunderstand me when I say this. There's nothing wrong with that. We're told to do that. We get not because we ask not. So let your request be known unto God. He does question our motives, and that's important, of course. Uh, But if all your prayer is just that, it's just petitioning, you're probably going to be frustrated somewhere along the line, like I was. And uh, you're going to start wondering, gee, I think I could more if I just worked for God, and so you kind of set your prayer time aside. There's another level of prayer where it's personal, where it's two ways, where there's the father-child, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me, and uh, if you don't break into that and make that a part of your life, you'll never get to the third stage, which is what I call true intercessory prayer. You hear so much about intercessory prayer today, but in my thinking, it's not. It's petitioning, and that's okay. Please don't misunderstand that. Uh, Most of what you see today is petitioning God, asking, and that's okay. That's, That's part of our prayer life and part of our ministry and whatever else. I personally believe intercessory prayer is quite different. I think intercessory prayer begins with God. Every church has probably a few of these kind of people. Probably they're over 50. Chances are they're going to be a lady. They're the kind of people, you don't really make a public ministry of what they're doing, but they'll wake up in the middle of the night, and, uh, and they're burdened by something. They can't go back to sleep until they pray through it. I know that because I was married to one for 49 years. And uh, I realized how important that critically is. That, that when you actually do pray by the Spirit who helps us in our weakness, who brings us alongside, it really is something. God choosing you and I to work through us to bring about his kingdom activities. But we have to first listen. I personally believe that prayer, correctly understood, is far more about listening than talking. Uh, unfortunately, All we hear today is, let's pray, and everybody starts talking. I wonder what would happen if every church in the country said, we're going to set an hour aside every week for prayer, but the first 45 minutes, we're just going to listen. Do you think we'd accomplish more in the last 15 minutes? See, I think so. I'm not suggesting anything here, but I'm I'm trying to get us all to think. I I don't feel obligated to talk to God. (laughs) Does that sound strange to you? I think every time that I sit down and have a devotional or whatever, I start first by listening. I just sit there for a few minutes. When people ask me for prayer, I say, can I pray first and just think for a little bit? You know, I want to hear from God. <laughs> you know, Because I, it's so easy to just accommodate somebody and say a little prayer and go on, but I, how effective is that? Uh, I don't know. But it, it, it isn't me and you. It's you and me and God. And, and God is always present and he's here. Now, illustrate how do you pray for the lost ever wonder how we do that should we pray and ask God bring conviction upon that person I don't believe you have to I think you can claim that as a promise he will convict the world of sin righteousness and judgment actually I was helped by this by a man years ago when I left that first pastoral position I went to senior pastor role and the first man who came to see me was Ellen Amaviska Ellen was a neat guy he just graduated from Westmont College, but he was frustrated. He didn't know what to do. I got my degree, now what? Kind of a thing. As we talked, I found out he had a very committed relationship with a young lady, been dated for a couple years. She just graduated. I said, well, if you're frustrated, can you imagine how frustrated she is if you haven't sprung the question or don't know what you're going to do in terms of that relationship? He said, I never thought about that. (laughs) Two days later, he called me. Would you marry us? Yeah. What did I? (laughs) Well, they got married, and God called them both to the mission field, Central America, actually. And uh, his mother went to the church I was pastoring, but his dad didn't. They were divorced. Dad wasn't a believer. Ellen prayed for his father for years. And finally, out of frustration, he kind of told God, he said, uh, why should I just keep asking and asking and asking? I see nothing happening. And he kind of felt the spirit of the Lord saying, why don't you pray according to Scripture? Now, think about this for a moment. If the field is white under harvest, what should you pray for? Workers. Workers. And Romans chapter 10 says, How will they hear unless a preacher is sent? So he began to pray and ask God to send his dad a messenger. Six weeks later, he got a letter from his dad. Son, I thought you'd like to know. Somebody stopped by my apartment, invited me to a Bible study. I went. I decided to become a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) You know, about the time that happened, I was asked to speak at our board chairman's 25th anniversary uh, celebration a pastor in Sierra Madre Congregational Church. They were going to have a nice banquet. I was going to speak at it, stay over, preach Sunday morning, give them the weekend off. Everything went fine. Went off for lunch afterwards, but they were not totally pleased. Um, in fact, they were a little bit down. And even though it was a wonderful time, uh, the disappointment was that two of their three boys came, but the third one, the youngest one, did not. Knew about it, lived in the area, didn't show up for the banquet or for church. And that just took the edge off for them. Now, the story is, is that he had dyslexia, but it wasn't discovered until he was a senior in high school. Now, you know the problem here, don't you? The one son who doesn't do as well as his two older brothers, by that time it had taken its toll on him, and he kind of walked away from the family, walked away from God. He wasn't a bad boy, no great immorality or anything else, uh, but he just kind of pulled away. And, uh, And as they were sharing that with me, I was sharing what I was learning about how to pray for people like that. So we actually held hands at that restaurant and asked God to send him a messenger. Tuesday morning, I got a call from Dick Anderson. You're not going to believe this. Later on that afternoon, somebody knocked on my son's apartment and invited him to a Bible study at that apartment complex. He went on Monday night. They found out his dad was a pastor, and he said, Do you think your dad would teach our Bible study? Nobody here knows anything. (laughs) And, uh, And he called me last night, and Dick did for a year. Taught that bubble study on Monday nights. I spoke at his 25th or 30th anniversary. That son was the master of ceremonies. I was doing a doctor ministry class at Trinity, and it's one of those one week intensive, eight hours a day, starts about eight in the morning, something like that. And uh, and uh, as I was setting up, a pastor came, an older pastor from Iowa, uh, and uh, said, "I wanted to meet you." I said, "I'm not taking your class." He said, "But I've read several of your books," and so we talked a little bit. Next morning, he's there again. And he said, would you have your class pray? I heard from my son-in-law, he's in Saudi Arabia, and he's suicidal. I'm really concerned about him. And I said, well, let me tell you how we're going to pray. In fact, we prayed right there, and then I would ask the class to pray as well. Friday morning, he's at the class again early. And they come up and said, you're not going to believe this. (laughs) But a Christian officer sought out my son-in-law, and he called last night and said, Dad, I'm going to be okay. Now, in one sense, that really shouldn't surprise us. The providential care of God of, of over his people is done that way. Everybody here probably is totally even unaware of the fact that that thought about calling somebody or visiting somebody or saying something to somebody really didn't come from you. It was a good idea. Pat yourself in the back. But chances are, God was probably saying, talk to. Share your Christ with him, whatever else. The real question is are we listening? You know, in the, in the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation, everyone ends with the same statement that him who has an ear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches? Are we listening? Another dimension to this happened when I left my uh, associate role and moved to a senior pastor role. Torrance, California. I was there for a year, and a lady called me, an acquaintance from the previous church. Didn't know her that well. I mean, we, we, I knew she was, but not close friends or anything. She called me, said, can I drive over and see you Friday afternoon? I said, okay. So she came over, and then she kind of told me she thought her husband was having an affair. I said, well, how do you know? No proof, but she's pretty sure he is. So I kind of took the next step, and I said, give me his phone number at work. I'll call him, and I'll go down. He worked downtown Los Angeles, and I'll go down and ask him if he wants to have lunch, and I, he was quite surprised because <laughs> I'd left that church. And anyway, we met. We had lunch a little bit, and I kind of talked to him. I said, your wife is concerned that you have an affair. I told her she had come to see me. Well, of course, he denied it, and uh, so I said, okay. We talked a little bit, and I about the job, and so I went home. What are you going to do? Month passed, she calls again. Can I come over again? Friday afternoon. <laughs> what am I gonna do? You know, so anyway, she comes over and we're talking and he's going out of town for the weekend and uh he says it's the job and I don't think it is and and God just kind of brought to my mind when David went on up to his sin, what did God do? Send him a prophet Nathan. Now I'll be honest with you folks, at that time I was grasping for straws <laughs> here. I said Lord, I, let's just pray together. Lord, I pray that you'll send him a Nathan. And uh, anyway, she left, and uh, I called my wife and said, honorable let's go down to Portico and have dinner with the kids tonight." She said, "Okay." So I drove by the house, picked up my kids, I got down to Portico. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea I was going to be Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> There you had a woman on each arm, and, uh, and uh, the pig. Anyway, I was, <laughs> we got eye contact. I mean, he dirted around the corner, and, and uh, I didn't hear from either one for three years. Out of the blue, I got a Christmas letter saying, we never thanked you for talking to us three years ago, but right after that, my husband took a transfer, and now we're living in Phoenix and doing very well. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Now, here's the point, folks. Whoever God puts on your mind, I mean, this isn't a formula, but if God puts it on your mind, that's how I've learned to pray. God, send that wayward husband, friend, wife, children, whatever else. What else are we going to ask for? Logically, it makes sense, doesn't it, if you think about it. What else should you pray for? What did Adam and Eve lose in the fall? Life. What did Jesus come to give us? Life. Life. Now, Here's your assignment. Go home at lunch today and and read 1 John chapter 5. And listen to the logic of this. Because he starts out, he who has the son has the life. He who doesn't have the son doesn't have the life. These things are written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. So the context is the assurance of salvation. Then he skips to the assurance of answered prayer. Anything that you ask according to my will, I will hear you. The next verse. Anybody who sees a brother committing a sin, not leading to death, that I say that you shall ask, and God will for him give life. When I was showing that a few years ago, I I picked up commentary by Tyndale. John Stott had written that, and he just tore that passage apart and, and came to the only conclusion you could come to. The one that you're really praying for is the one that's going to give life. God came to give him life. And uh, so that's what I pray for. And then people come up. Well, I don't know about my husband or my children, whatever else. Let's pray. Let's just agree together that God will send him a messenger and God will give him life. Again, let me say something here. This isn't a formula that I'm t- describing to you that you can somehow choose myself who it is I want to pray for, and God is somehow obligated to answer that prayer. That that's that's the wrong way to think about prayer. But I do believe if you are burdened by somebody like this. And it's your burden, it's not anybody else's. I believe that's how we should pray. God, send him a messenger. God, give him life. Would you pray right now with me? Close your eyes, if you would, please. I'm in a position to listen for a moment. Father God, I would ask you to place on our hearts today who it is that you would have us pray for. It's a mystery to me, Lord, why you would even choose to work through us, but you've chosen it. You're going to make your wisdom known through the church. And so, Father, we want to be an instrument in your hand in regards to that. So, Father, upon our hearts, place who it is that you would have us pray for. And in praying, what we're asking for, Lord, is that you would send them a messenger and that you would give them life. Now, dear people, this morning, is an act of faith and really a boldness, If God has laid a name or names on your heart, I want you to say that name right now, out loud. Would you? Right now. Listen. Father, that's our humble request. We come before you. We're asking that you would send these people a messenger and give them life. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just to close, how should you come before his presence? With Thanksgiving. The operative concept here, in in everything give thanks, not for. I'm not thankful that Adam sinned, and I live in a fallen world, that my wife is dying of dementia. But in the midst of that, I am incredibly grateful. I'm thankful for the 49 years we've had together. She was a gift to me. I'm thankful for my salvation, for my life that i can share with my wife we're going to see each other in eternity that we're going to look at jesus and see him face to face i deserved hell i was given the eternal life in everything give thanks and i can't help anymore when i sit in silence that what i have around me all the time is an attitude of gratitude and remember you just may be somebody's nathan all right god bless you <laughs> Amen. It was incredible.